Hey friends, welcome back to the Preacher's Devo podcast. I am your host, Daniel Messina. The Preacher's Devo podcast, as implied by its title, is designed for those seeking some devotional thought on certain biblical truths and doctrines of the faith. Throughout Season 2 of the Preacher's Devo podcast, I will offer you an analysis of 40 of the top Christian hymns of all times. The composition of these hymns range from the 1700s to modern day time. Much of the information found on this podcast can be found at hymnary.org. Today's hymn is titled, In Christ Alone. It was written by both Keith Getty and Stuart Thounand. Let me read to you the beautiful words of this profound hymn. Verse 1. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. Verse 2. In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. Verse 3. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. And the final verse, no guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commends my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Where to begin, folks? What a beautiful, beautiful verse. Before we examine the content of the hymn, let me provide you a little background on the hymn's authors. Keith Getty was born in 1974, and he's a world-renowned modern hymn writer. Keith developed a passion for writing good songs for the church in his 20s and began writing for his small Baptist church. He today writes and performs with his wife, Kristen, and they regularly tour the United States and the United Kingdom. Stuart Thounen grew up in West Yorkshire, England. He's the youngest son of an Anglican vicar. He started learning piano at a young age and began writing music at 22. He has produced albums with Keith Rutledge and Vine Song and many others. Some of his better songs include How Deep the Father's Love the King of Love, and the Power of the Cross. He continues to work closely with his friends Keith and Kristen Getty and is currently the worship leader in the Church of Christ the King in Brighton. He also lives with his wife Carolyn and children Joseph, Emma, and Eden. One thing is for sure, both men are committed to theology. They are committed to solid doctrine, hence why they wrote the song In Christ Alone. Let's now examine this beautiful hymn and its content. 
It begins with the phrase, In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. Christ followers understand that Jesus Christ indeed is our hope. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this, this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Indeed, Christ is our hope. But we also know He's much more than just our hope. He's also our light. He's our strength. Now, what comes to mind, of course, is John chapter 1, where Jesus is described as the light who came to shine in the darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. Praise God for that, because we in this world live in darkness. That is the consequence of our sin. Sin brought darkness into the world. However, through Jesus, we have the hope of the light of the gospel that he presented to us through his own perfect sinless life, his death, burial, and resurrection. He continues, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. The idea that Jesus is a cornerstone is biblical. For instance, Isaiah 28 verse 16 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, See, I'm laying in Zion a foundation stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. One who trusts will not panic. In other words, that cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. The cornerstone is the stone of a building that holds it all together. The imagery of Christ as the rock, of course, appears throughout Scripture. In Matthew, for instance, when Jesus is speaking of a man who is wise, who built his house on the rock, that analogy given in Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, is in reference to himself. Paul picked up on this idea as well. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, he says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God and in the Spirit. Now, notice what he says next. He says, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. We know that God carries us through the most difficult times. It was Jesus himself who said to his disciples, Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You see, Jesus is our peace. He is the one who we can come to be comforted to. That's why the authors continue saying, What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, He is my comforter, my all in all. And then they declare, Here in the love of Christ I stand. The very last sentence of verse 1, Here in the love of Christ I stand, is a declaration of trust. In Christ alone. But how do we know we can trust Christ? Well, the proof is in the pudding, as they say, folks. This is what verse 2 speaks about. He begins the verse saying, In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the incarnation. What's going to take place in the hymn is that he speaks of the incarnation, he speaks of the crucifixion, then he speaks of the burial, and finally the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we will continue. As we continue, you will pretty much be able to determine that as you listen. Jesus took on flesh, 
Where do we get this idea? Well, John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Friends, this is the Incarnation. This is the witness of the fact that Jesus Christ Himself, God Himself, came from heaven to earth and dwelt among His people, among humanity. And he came as a helpless babe. He came. He was born of a virgin, Mary. And then he lived a life of righteousness. That's why the authors continue saying this gift of love and righteousness. Scorned by the ones he came to save. The idea of Christ being scorned is so profound. Especially when you go to the Old Testament. For instance, in Isaiah chapter 53. Here's what the author of Isaiah says, the prophet He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed." Notice that Jesus indeed was scorned. He was a man of many sorrows. And why did he do it? He did it so that we would have peace. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. He took on our sin so that we could have peace with God. That is why, again, the authors of the hymn says this gift of love and righteousness. Jesus has made us righteous before God through his sacrifice on the cross. They continue, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There is so much, folks, we can unpack from these last sentences of chapter, or excuse me, verse 2 here. But let me just stick with a few things. Number one, Christ did die. He died on the cross. And it was through his death that the wrath of God was satisfied. A righteous sacrifice needed to be made on our behalf. That is why Jesus died, so that the wrath of God would be satisfied, because God is a righteous God. Therefore, a righteous sacrifice was required, a perfect sacrifice. That's why Jesus died for us, in part. Every one of our sins was laid on Christ at the cross. 1 Peter 2.24 says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds we were healed. Christ's death on the cross justified the wrath of God. Isaiah 53.11, As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Now, verse 3 begins with the burial of Christ. There in the ground, his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. So first he speaks of the fact that Jesus Jesus indeed died and his body was buried. Second, that he's the light of the world by darkness slain. What darkness is he talking about? The darkness here is a representation of us, human beings being the conduits of darkness to slain, to, in other words, kill the Savior of the world. But death would not have its final say. Jesus indeed rose from the dead. That's why he continues, and he says, Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And it is here 
that the resurrection shines brightly in this hymn. Keep in mind, the resurrection is foundational for our Christian faith. Just as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 13, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. You see, the gospel message matters. In the same chapter, in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says, For I received and passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. There's number one, his death. That he was buried, burial. That he raised from the dead and on the third day according to Scripture, resurrection. That right there, folks, is the gospel. And though the world thought that Jesus Christ's death was not glorious, indeed it was because he conquered death. It is also glorious because of what it says. He stands in victory. Sin's curse lost its grip on me, for I am he, his, excuse me, and his mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. God proved his love for us in this way, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is his love for us. Romans 5 verse 8. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 through 19. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. The idea that we were bought with a price really has to do with the purchase of our salvation through Jesus's sacrifice. For instance, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Ephesians 1.7 says that we have redemption through his blood. In other words, his life that was given to us on the cross. And what do we know? We know that he is the one in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, according to Colossians 1.14. Just in the very words of Jesus, he said to us, Even as a son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The idea of ransom here again is that we were bought with a price. We were bought with the life and the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And the Bible tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That is why the author says, for I am his and he is mine. Now, he continues, he says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. Of course, we don't have to live in guilt because the guilt of our sin was taken upon Christ. We don't have to fear death either because death has been conquered. This profound truth is given to us in one of the most beautiful chapters in all scripture, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians that has already been quoted here. Here's what it says at the very end of the chapter. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we can confidently say, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. We do not have to fear even life or death because Christ is everything to us. It is Christ who lives through us. That's why we live a life, as Paul said, that is a crucified life, a cruciform life. For I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. It is Christ that lives in me. 
And one final thing is important for us to understand. Here, he, the authors of the hymn end the hymn with this. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. This is a straight up reference to Romans 8, 37 through 39 which says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now until he returns or calls you home, whether he returns today, tomorrow, or a thousand years from now, or he calls us home, he takes us to be with him, we can have confidence in the power of Christ. We can stand on that and know that everything will be okay because our ultimate destiny is heaven. And for that, we praise God. Well, folks, that's it for this episode of the Preacher's Devo podcast. In this episode, I will not offer you a Greek or Hebrew word of the day because it has been a long episode. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and leave me a five-star review. Until our next podcast, stay encouraged, encourage others, and keep growing in Christ. Now enjoy this version of the song in Christ alone. Be blessed. Yeah.